good to be alive, amen? Well, that was about 50%. Yeah, come on. Well, it's great to be in church. We come to church to uh, worship God, have a connection with one another. But I believe the primary reason we come to church is so that we are affected in our belief system. Your belief system is that invisible part of you that affects your choices, your decisions, and ultimately your destiny. So this morning, I want to affect your belief system. I'm sure I, I'm hoping I'll confirm things that you're already taught here. But your belief system is really important. Jesus himself went from synagogue to synagogue, village to village, preaching and teaching. Why? To affect people's belief system. He wanted to introduce Israel to God the Father, who they thought they knew, but really didn't. So um, open up. We work in the invisible. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. So he's believing in that, in that independent inside area of your life, the invisible. We work in the invisible. Sometimes I wish God had just poke his head through the clouds and go, boo, I'm here. I want to speak firstly for a few moments, and some of you have already heard this, but I want to speak about compassion. Um, it's a wonderful ministry. Uh, I spent 20-some years pastoring a church, and uh, you might have heard of Rise Church at Lights View. We started that church with two of us, and uh, we started in a front lounge, and uh, we said, what should we do? So we thought we'll pray. And so we started praying and we doubled in size. Our wives joined us. <laughs> and then our kids' church exploded because my brother had five children and I had three. So that was eight in our children's ministry. I'm pleased to say today it's still going strong and uh, they're uh, advancing the kingdom of God, which is great. Um, Jesus, more powerful than poverty. Amen? Yeah. Next slide, please. It's kingdom business. Um, I'm very thankful to be in the business of the kingdom. We're all in the business of the kingdom business. You are here on this planet for a reason. And that reason is to advance God's kingdom. Come on, you're not here just to have a wonderful family, which is great. You may have a terrific job or you might be retired and enjoying that. That's fantastic. A nice house, a nice car. That's all good. But the primary reason that you are on the planet is to advance God's kingdom. Amen. And so um, compassion's business is kingdom business. Next slide. Our mission statement, the reason we exist, is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. I'm so thankful we've got a great mission statement. And uh, our desire is to see 385 million children today that live in abject poverty be released from that in Jesus' name. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The good news is 40 years ago it was 800 million. So in 40 years it's halved. But we don't want to wait another 40 years. We say in the next 10, 15 years, let's halve it again. Come on. We want to see poverty erased because it's from hell. It's not from heaven, it's from hell. Next slide, please. God's heart. This is the word of God, I believe. And you get to know God through this. Now, some people like to think you can just meditate, and meditating's good. But you can't get to know or understand God without his word. And so we want to find out what God's heart is. And his word says, next slide, 
This is just one of many scriptures. Leviticus, your favorite book. Come on. God speaks to Israel and says, when you reap the land, make sure you leave a corner for the poor. You can harvest the land, but leave a corner so that when the poor are around, they can come to your land, go to that corner and glean from there. And if you're familiar with the book of Ruth, when Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem, Ruth was sent by Naomi into the field of Boaz. And she was told, go there and glean. And she gleaned. In fact, she gleaned so well, she ended up marrying Boaz. So girls, if you're looking for a man, learn how to glean. And that is not politically correct. So God's hearts for the poor is not just there. Matthew 25, Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was naked and you clothed me. And the people said, when, when did we do that? He said, when you did it to the least of one of these. So God's hearts for the poor. Next slide. God's hearts for children. We know the story where the disciples were shooing away the children. Jesus said, let them come to me. The, ch the kingdom belongs to such as these. In fact, he went on to say, you need to become like children to enter the kingdom of God. The innocence, the vulnerability, the openness. So God's hearts for children. In fact, Jesus was revolutionary with this. Because in those days, children should be seen and not heard. Who remembers those days? But what Jesus was saying is that these are a priority. These are important to God. These are important to the kingdom. I go around a lot of churches. Carol and I, in the last five years, we've visited over 200 churches. It's a lot of churches. And the ones that have not made children a priority, they're shrinking. They still love God and God loves them, but they're disappearing. Children are a priority. Come on. I know that you've got a priority for children and youth here. If we don't have children and youth coming through, there's no future. Next slide, please. The foreigner. God's hearts for the foreigner. Again, God speaks to Israel. Leviticus, great book. Got some little jewels in there. He says, when that stranger or that foreigner comes amongst you, embrace them, love them, care for them. And Israel complained and said, why should we do that? And God says, because one time you too were foreigners. So God's hearts for the poor, for children and for the foreigner. Next slide. Many of you have heard this, but compassion began back in 1952 when Everett Swanson, the man you see there, was moved with compassion to start something when he discovered a cart that was collecting what he thought was rubbish ended up being dead children on the streets of Seoul. And he was moved with compassion, I've got to do something. And he started with 35 children. And I'm pleased to say today we sponsor 2.1 million children. But it's still not enough. We don't want to take another 69 years to get another 2.1 million. We want 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 million in the next 69 years or more. Next slide. We work in 25 developing countries. You can see the blue nations there. They're the beneficiaries. The mustard colored are the giving nations. What's interesting to note is in Korea, where it started, is now a giving nation. It was once a beneficiary. And that's what we want to do. We want to turn it round. We want to release children from poverty. Next slide, please. The distinctives of compassion from all the other agencies, and we thank God for all those agencies that work with children living in poverty. But our distinctives are, we're Christ-centered. We're a Christian organization. We have not lost our way. We are focused on the kingdom. Our business is the kingdom. And our message is that uh, you're valuable, you've got a future. Because what poverty says to children is that you're of no value. You've got no future, you're not worth anything. 
But we know the word of God says something very different. They are valuable. They do have a future. And we're child-focused. We believe in the potential of children. We were just talking this morning. A 15-year-old girl from Adelaide sponsored a young boy who was six years old living in the slums of Uganda, Kampala. His name's Richmond Wandera. Richmond grew up and she sponsored him for near on 15, 20 years. And today Richmond is a pastor who oversights 3,000 churches in uh, Uganda. So a 15-year-old girl, she's invested in the life of a six-year-old boy. And look what's happened. And she's going to be so blessed when she gets to heaven and her reward's going to be great. And we're church-based. We only work in the church. And as Pastor Ian said, we went across to uh, the Philippines and visited the church. And what was so wonderful was we met 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old young people who were still in the church volunteering and being part of the work of compassion. And I asked them the question, I said, oh, how long have you been in the church? And they said, oh, we came in as four-year-olds, three-year-olds with compassion. And they're still in the church serving God. We believe the church, with all its challenges, is God's vehicle. Just like this local church, you're here for a reason. You're not here just for yourselves. You're here for this Salisbury area to advance the kingdom of God. We love the church. The church, the, the community, they don't know this, but they need you. They need you. We carry the message of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Next slide, yeah, compassion. When you sponsor a child and you know that in this church, I looked it up yesterday, you sponsor 57 children. How good is that? That's that, that's that. Yeah, give yourselves a... That's not just 57 children, that's 57 families, 57 communities. It rolls out to be thousands and thousands of people. So God bless you. Your sponsorship provides... Education, the uh, materials, the uniforms, the school fees where it applies, your sponsorship pays for it. Health checks, each year they get dental and health checks regularly to make sure that they're well and healthy and vaccines that cost a dollar or two dollars can save their lives. Your sponsorship does that. Next slide. Nutritious meals, that goes without saying. Next slide. Vocational training, incredibly important part of our work is we want to train the kids to become a resource back to their families. We want to train them up so that they help release not just themselves but their families from poverty. So that's high on the list for compassion. We're not Centrelink, not against Centrelink, it's a good thing. But we want to break the cycle of poverty. It's not just a handout, it's a hand up. Next slide, please. And Christian teaching, obviously, they're in the church, so they're going to hear the word of God. And next slide. We got these statistics over the last decades. Each year, whoops, 135,000 children have accepted Christ every year. Come on, every year. You see, we work with over 8,000 churches. And in those churches, there's approximately 200 to 300 kids that are brought in. Because our mandate to the pastors is go into your village, find the poorest of the poor and bring them in. And they bring them in and they love them and they feed them, they help them, they, they tell them that they're valuable. And they say, why do you do this? We do this because God loves you and Jesus came to help you. And 135,000 each year. Look, I've been around in this business for a few years now. I started with a full head of hair. <laughs> Don't know what happened. Um, but I've not come across a more fruitful ministry than Compassion as it partners with the church. And it's not an accolade to um, compassion, but it's a rejoicing in the kingdom of God that so many kids 
are coming to know Christ. Next slide, please. So um, after the service, we've got a couple of tables and my wife, Carol and Kerry, they both love this. Stand up for a minute. Yeah, give them a hand. Both volunteers. Um, they'll help you select a child. We've got ch children specifically from your region. And your region, as you know, is in a lot of turmoil at the moment with what's taken place in Myanmar. So um, if you'd like to sponsor a child or you'd like to sponsor another child, please see them and we'll be able to help you with that. So um, on your seat, you've got a picture of a child and I love to do this. I want you to take a hold of that child and I believe the prayer of the righteous avails much. So just look at that picture of that child. I've got Warawut. We've got some terrific names in Thailand. And uh, he's 11 years old. He lives in a family of five, plus him is six. These children need sponsors. Father, we just hold these children before you and we pray for them. We know your heart is for them. We speak over their pictures and we say, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done in their lives. They're valuable to you. Lord, however you can do this, help set them free from poverty. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Look, it costs $12 a week, $48 a month. And you can change your life. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I asked myself, how can I do that? How could, do I get on a plane every other week and fly somewhere and go preaching? Through sponsorship, I know that the children that Carol and I sponsor, we know that they're hearing the gospel and we're supporting that with our resource. The question is not does God want me to do this, because God does. The question is, do you have the means to do it? And in some cases you might not, and that's fine, but you can keep praying for that picture, that child. Because people say, um, I'll, I want to pray and ask God if um, he wants me to sponsor. I've got the answer, yes he does. The question is, do you have the means? So uh, God bless you, you do, you're doing a wonderful job. Um, the 60 children that you're sponsoring is just outstanding and I... From the bottom of my heart, I say thank you, thank you, thank you. I believe I've been given a promotion from pastoring to now being a voice for children living in poverty. So if you can sponsor, please do. Amen? Amen. All good. Um, I want to show you a quick video of an update of uh, the work in Thailand and then I'll bring the word. Thanks. Greetings, compassion supporters who are sponsoring children in Thailand. It's a privilege and honor to be speaking to you today and to be encouraging you through this difficult season. There are over 180 church partners with approximately 50,000 children being sponsored in Thailand. Most churches have been affected by COVID-19 and because of COVID-19, many parents have lost their job and the parents could not provide for the family. Locally, I've seen people were very desperate, very hopeless. Well, church partners are not only providing food parcels to give away to the families, but they also provide a long-term solution to the families by equipping the parents with new way of income generation, by providing them vocational skill sets in order for them to start earning the money for the family. 
One story is the one church. They um, make the mask and give to the every student, every family in the church. And they not just stop that. They give to the community as well. They use their own money. Not uh, compassion money to provide food for the those who in need. So this is just wow. This touched my heart that they know that they are salt and light in the community, and they reach out to be uh, outside of the wall, not just the beneficiary. Through this crisis of coronavirus, many people are getting to know God through our help. Well, over the past. Month life is getting better now since we don't have new cases confirmed in Thailand. Please keep our children in your pray and also pray for the reopening project activity and make sure that our children would be known, loved, and protected. You are our hero. Massive thanks to our compassion sponsor, supporter. I understand how hard it is has been to you as well, to all of us. But through this pandemic, I have seen us the humanity between become stronger together as one. Although our lives may not be the same, let Christ be the center of our new normal. You will always be in my prayer. May His light take you away and ignite your bones. Wasn't that good? You can't do everything, but everybody can do something. And when you look at that vast area and the remoteness, at times you think, "Wow, God's hand is everywhere." Amen. Okay, you're all ready for the word. I've got to finish by four o'clock. You said <laughs> that was a joke. I'll be as quick as I can, but as clear as I can as well. I want to help equip, um, equip for the work of the ministry. We're all called to ministry, not just people who are on the platform, but we're all called to ministry. Amen. Come on, you're called. You might work in a factory, and your ministry might be to be the kindest person in that factory. People say to me, "What does God want me to do?" He wants you to be nice, be kind. So, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I'm going to read from Exodus three, eight, ten. Do we have that scripture? Yes, we do. That's good. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites. Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. A lot of sites there. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God was not politically correct, was he, when he went to the, instructed them to take that land because it was already occupied territory. But um, God sent them to be released from bondage in Egypt to go and take a land. And there's a real picture there for us with Israel's whole journey from Egypt. To the wilderness and ultimately to the promised land, and so I've got a message that's called the four P's. So if you bear with me, usually I only bring three points, but today I'm bringing four. Pastors are not allowed to go over four points. Amen. So Israel was delivered from bondage. And that's a, like a picture for me as an individual and as a church. One time I was lost and in bondage, and then when I heard the gospel and made that step of faith, I was set free. Can anybody say amen to that? You may be a visitor and just going on the journey of discovery. I want to encourage you: 
Seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given to you. Knock and the door will be open. Just keep pursuing. So when I made that step of faith, I experienced the presence of God. And for Israel, they experienced the presence of God. Next slide, please. And uh, they experienced the presence of God, Exodus 13, 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. So Israel experienced the presence of God, and it was an incredible experience to be able to see a fire by night and a cloud by day. Um, I don't know about you, but that would be certainly freaky to say the least. Um, for Again, that's a metaphor for us that um, we can experience the presence of God. In fact, Jesus said, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I want to encourage you that the presence of God is with you all the time, whether you feel him or not. Come on. We've got a lot of feely Christians, and we need to have feelings. My wife says I don't have many sometimes. Can anybody else testify to that? No, don't put your hands up. But I, you, you've got to go on dead reckoning what the Word says. Don't ask God to be with you. He is with you. It's Old Testament. God, come and join us today. God says, I'm already here. Come into me, Lord. Be with me. Yes, he's already with you. It's Old Testament to ask him to be with you. He's, he's already there. And it's important for us as believers to allow the truth of God's word, regardless of what we feel like. Look, I, I, I want to encourage you. Um, your feelings are great, but don't be led by them. Because sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. Uh, you, you've, we've got to go by what this says. And um, that's the journey of growing. And God is spirit, so it's spirit to spirit. When I took that step of faith, I, I, have I told you my um, testimony? I think I have. I was a, a long-haired hippie or alternative lifestyler living in Tasmania, building a mud brick house. Living with a girl, not married, lived in a tent, came to Adelaide for a wedding. We were in Launceston, about 25 kilometers outside Launceston, came to Adelaide for a um, wedding and uh, my brother who the last time I'd seen him was laid out on the floor as drunk as a skunk celebra celebrating me leaving um, was now going to church and that was the news I was greeted with oh Paul goes to church now I thought well that's a bit weird and they said listen he's serious he's giving money to the church now, I'm from Yorkshire, which is near Scotland. Is anybody from Scotland here? There's a Scot. We know how to hold on to our money, don't we? So that got my attention, and he witnessed to me, and he told me about Jesus, and I didn't understand 99% of what he said, but I saw something. I saw something, and so I, admit, I said a prayer, and I said, if you're real, I'll follow you. And you know what happened? Absolutely nothing. But I made a decision. I decided I'm going to follow this Jesus. And about two weeks later, I was back in Tasmania after the wedding and after this experience of hearing my brother. And I was stood in the middle of a paddock on my own. And the presence of God came upon me. Even now I feel a bit emotional. Came upon me. And affected me in such a way that the reality of everything I could see, smell, touch, hear, taste, just disappeared. And it was all about him. 
And here I am some 40 years later stood in front of you good people speaking about Jesus Christ. That's a miracle. That's the miraculous of the presence of God. And he's been with me ever since. Do I feel him all the time? No. But I've got a God consciousness. I know that I know that I know that he's with me. Through the good, bad and the ugly. I started going to church and people said to me, now that you've come to Jesus, everything will be wonderful. I found out it wasn't. Life still happens. The wonderful thing about God is that now he dwells in people. That day of Pentecost, when the fire came above their head, it was a sign to say, no longer do I dwell in temples or tents or outside of humanity, but now I'm inside humanity. No longer restrictions. We've got free access to God. You don't need to ask the pastor to pray. You can pray directly. Come boldly before the throne of grace. How good is that? So the presence of God was with Israel. They experienced the presence of God, in, but God was outside. But for us today, we can experience the presence of God because God's on the inside. If you've not experienced the presence of God, ask and it shall be given to you. Just ask and you can know the presence of God. And then you go on the journey of discovering who God is. Gosh, it's a long journey. It takes a lifetime. And I'm still discovering. The next P. Oh, I better be quick with these P's. Israel experienced the power of God. Exodus 14:21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. I always think of Charlton Heston. For you younger people, it's called the Ten Commandments. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. Behold the salvation of our God. He opened his arms and the sea parted. And Israel regularly witnessed the power of God. But even in that, they still at times wanted to go back to Egypt. Come on. Has anybody here ever wanted to go back to Egypt? Yeah, I've talked like that sometimes, but no, I don't want to go back there because that's bondage. Pentecostals love the power. Amen? Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We've got to develop a maturity of understanding the power of God, the how that works. I mean, I was around in the 80s and the 90s when the Toronto blessing was running rampant everywhere and there was power all over. But we've got to develop a maturity. You see, God wants his church to grow up. He wants his church to mature because Jesus is coming back for a mature church. Come on, this is... We're getting closer... We're getting closer, and when he comes, we're all going to get a new hairdo. It's just going to go boing. But we've got to understand the power of God. And um, it's not just about that feeling. It's about knowing that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or even think. According to the power that works within us. Inside you is all the power you need. Humanity is born with faith, hope, and love. Inside of me is faith, hope, and love. The difference between the old me and the new me, the old me still had faith, hope, and love, but the new me stepped into the God faith, the God hope, the God love. Romans 12.3, to every person has been given the measure of faith. Romans 15, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy, peace in believing you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Romans 5.5, 5, for the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts 
by the Holy Spirit. Inside of me and inside of you is the power of God. And it comes in the form of faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Now these three things remain, or these three things are eternal. Faith, hope, and love. Don't ask God for more faith. You've got all you're going to get. You've got the faith. It's learning to get it out. You've got the God kind of hope inside of you. When it seems a hopeless situation, the hope that's inside of me can rise up and I can hope against all hope and know that God is able. Come on, that's what Abraham did. It says that he hoped against all hope to have a son, and he had one. And love, I've got the agape love inside of me, which is the unconditional love of God. Don't ask God for more love. You've got all you're going to get. You've got it. We don't want to be like the Wizard of Oz, where you've got the lion, the straw man, and the, what was tin man. They were looking for a heart, a brain, and courage. And they discovered they already had it when they actually found the Wizard of Oz. They already got it. You've already got the power inside of you to do incredible things. It's for us to have that belief system of knowing that God is able to do that. Inside of you and inside of me. The third P is provision. So we've got the presence of God, the power of God, and the provision of God. Again, Israel, then in Exodus 16:4, then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven, bread from heaven, come on. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quarter every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Jehovah Jireh, God provides but there's a catch with it. He provides for himself, for his purposes, because all things work together for good to those that love God. Don't stop there. And are called according to his purposes. The provision of God, the grace of God, comes about ultimately for his purposes. This word shall come to pass. If you're in it, that's fine. If you're not, that's okay too. It's still going to come to pass. It's your choice whether you want to be in this or not. And the provision of God is there for his purposes. When Abraham took Isaac up onto Mount Moriah and laid him out, uh, Isaac saying, hang on a minute, um, where's the sacrifice? And this is where Jehovah Jireh comes from. Abraham turned around to him and said, listen, God shall provide for himself. And then he provided because Isaac was a bit worried that he was going to have to run for it. Philippians 4.18, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God supplies for his purposes. He wants his people to be in his purposes. And everything you need, as you seek first the kingdom of God, all things will be added to you. But understand this, Jesus is not your concierge. God is not your butler. I need a new job. I need more money. I need a new car. Now God's very gracious, but when we look at What's happening in Thailand and Myanmar, they're not asking for a new car, they're asking for daily food. The, the provision focus is quite different from Western world. God will provide for you. And if he blesses you and you've got more than enough, well, that's so that you can give. Abraham was blessed so that he could be a blessing. Look, God's given me a million dollars. Good, he wants you to give some of it away. He's always after your money, I tell you. You know why? Because he don't want your wallet to attach to your heart. Keep it free. Now, this is the interesting thing with Israel. They had the presence they had the power, and they had the provision. 
but they went round in circles for 40 years. But we've got the presence. Oh, I feel the presence of God. We've got the power. I saw so-and-so being healed. I've got the provision. Oh, I've got that new job and my wage increase is gone. But still walking round in circles. And I think there are many Christians that have experienced the presence, that want the presence, that want the power, that want the provision, but their life is one going round in circles. It's because you have to connect to the purpose. Come on. It's very difficult in our culture because at times the gospel is contrary to our culture. See, often for us it's about getting. The gospel is about giving. And it's understanding the purposes of God. Exodus 3.8 So I have come down to deliver them out of the land of e the Egyptians and to bring them up to a land, a good land, a large land, flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, etc. God's purpose was for Israel to take the promises and take that land. And because they didn't, they still experienced the presence, the power and the provision, but they went round in circles. Forty years of following Jesus, I'm talking about myself now. You wouldn't believe that I'm 49, would you? 59? 69? No, I'm not quite there yet. But for 40 years they went round in circles because they did not connect to the purpose. And I, I'll, I'll sum up what the purpose is for us. As believers in Jesus Christ, you are here to advance God's kingdom. That's your purpose. Now, your focus of what ministry you're doing can change season to season. You might have a season in children's ministry, in youth ministry, in hospitality, or whatever area it might be. But it's all about the purpose I've served in so many different areas. When we first got saved, we came back to Adelaide, joined the Salvation Army, and we went and worked in a children's home for children that had been abandoned in Adelaide. And the Salvation Army in those days used to have big houses where those kids were sent because the parents either died or they just couldn't look after them anymore. And we ended up with the teenagers all you teenagers, I love you. But you cost me my hair. And then I, I went into children's ministry. I went back into youth ministry. I served in many areas. But it was always about connecting to the bigger picture, which was advancing the kingdom of God. That's why you and I are here on the planet today. Otherwise, we should have an altar call that you come out the front, give your life to Christ, and then we kill you. Send you to heaven. Next. No, you're left here for a reason. You're here for a reason. And that's the kingdom of God. Never forget that, because otherwise you'll end up like Israel, and you'll be going round in circles. For some of you here today, you're going round in circles. I want to encourage you, connect to the purpose, and the purpose is advancing the kingdom. Now, to understand your focus and get your focus, talk to Pastor Ian, talk to leadership. Where do you think I can fit? There, what, what, what can I do? What your job is. It's not just in church life, it's in all your life. Come on. Is that the music? I get the hint. sound like an angel you've got to be deliberate with this 
You see, when you go into that promised land, and for us it's the promises of God, and we heard earlier today, seek first the kingdom. As you commit to seeking first the, the, the kingdom of God, all the things you need will be added to you, but you've got to be deliberate and say, I'm here to advance the kingdom of God. Where can I fit? Where can I help? And you'll start to take the promise of God for your life because God's got promises in your life. But let me just warn you, there will be giants. You don't get the promises without the giants. They come with the territory. And what they want to do is go boo and shoo you away. Israel was terrified because there were giants. Caleb and Joshua said, come on, we can take them. We can do it. With God on our side, we can do it. And it's the same for us. With God on your side, you can do it. You can do it. Let's stand. Father, we stand before you in Jesus' name. We thank you for your presence. We love your presence. We thank you that you've told us you will never leave us nor forsake us. I am with you always. Just cement that in our thinking that you are with me in the good, the bad, and the ugly times. That you are with me. Father, thank you for the power that sustains me, that sustains us as a church together. Your power holds us together. You've given us the faith, the hope, and the love to do incredible things. And we thank you for your provision. As I look around this great facility here, what a provider that you are, and is provided for the purpose. Let us connect to the purpose. Let there be a renewing inside of us to the purpose of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the provision will be there. All that I need is in you, Lord. Father, we think of these children that we prayed for. They belong to you. By your spirit, move us to help, whether it's financial, whether it's prayer, whether it's just a constant reminder to each one of us that you have a great love for children and that is part of your kingdom's work is to see them released from poverty in Jesus' name. just want to create an opportunity for loved ones here that feel like they've been going around in circles for a while and they want to break that they want to go into the promised land just close your eyes everybody if that's you just lift your hand to heaven God will see the hand God bless you God bless you God bless you God bless you God bless you. Father, you see these hands raised. Don't want to be walking in those circles anymore. We want to go in and take the promises. But those lands are filled with giants. But we know that we can overcome in you. We know that we can take that promise. And I pray for these loved ones. They're no longer walking in circles but going in to their promised land in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. We've got a short video, and I'm done, of a young man who visited Thailand not that long ago. Empty and filled. 
all in the same breath. Broken and mended, all with the same thread. Poverty and paradise exist in the same place. Wherever you come from, we all need the same grace. I crossed the ocean. I was tangled in my tech and distractions, unknown emotions, out of touch with my heart and its functions. For long I've lived in the poverties that come with our wealth. No time and space to climb the race deep in the story of self. Where clouds hang like fog around my own little orbit. Feel like the center of the universe, I'm so important. But stories can dethrone us from unhelpful heights. Make the rich poor give the blind backside. So I went to listen, sat on floors. I had little to offer, but I was welcomed. Hospitality, the constant posture. And I heard stories that emptied and filled me all in the same breath. I was broken and mended, all with the same thread. I can imagine living life in the mountains where sights can take away breath. But this isn't the reason your son is gasping for breath. Three years old, he's struggling with asthma instead. And the beauty of a place that is rural, remote, can also strangle your hope if your throat inhales and chokes. And so, you pack what you can carry on backs. Two days walk to seek medical help. And the place you called home becomes the home you have left. Yet you will scratch a new life upon the dust where you step. 14 years later, this white boy sits on the van. The smell of sunscreen and sanitizer thick on my hands. And as I survey new life that has been built across years, and in some very small way I'm connected to this story of his, well that can flip your worldview upside down in an instant. Next social media post feels insignificant when you sit in the company of people so resilient. Like between her home and her school, the monsoons leave landslides. And people cross this river dodging the landmines. Caught between nations, seeking basic salvation. Building lives in extreme poverty and yet still building lives. Man, it feels like there's a bunch of logs in my eyes. The backstory for me starts around 11 years ago. I picked up a picture of a girl who was seven or so and I decided to share a fraction of my privilege. Years later, as my feet walk a trail through a village, I don't see a child on the other side of the lens. I see a young woman, I see an old friend. And across language and culture, we are somehow connected. Our very different lives in Christ intersected. And my neighbors are not just next door on my street. I have neighbors on other continents I am yet to meet. But they are made in the image of God just like me. I am made in the image of God just like she. He is made in the image of God just like we. We are made in the image of God. Do you see?